Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. On the third full moon, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud, in order that the people may hear when I speak with you, and so trust you after. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? 
And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Good morning and welcome to the seventh uh, Thursday of Eastertide. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the, uh, no, not the Appalachian Abbey, the Homewood Suites by Hilton in Baltimore, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 33, Exodus 19, and Acts 2. Um, and those of you who subscribe to my MailChimp list will uh, have heard uh, just yesterday that I'm using the pandemic to refocus on my writing and that I already have a proposal and outline and the tentative title of my next book is um, God is a Grunt and Other Good News for GIs. And part of that book will argue that there's a difference between soldier and warrior. In fact, I I prefer the term soldier um, because our military, uh, in order to understand our military, And to do ministry with them and alongside them well, we have to understand what God's purpose was in creating a military. Um, And to also be able to um, uh, differentiate between what a military was made to do, what a military might have to do in times of need, and then the excesses that, uh, that can be undertaken by the military that exceed its purposes. But anyway, in a, in a nutshell, um, the military can be corrupted just like any other human institution. And I think because of the power of violence, I think that um, it's more, it's just easier to, uh, to become corrupt um, when the military uh, becomes kind of the, the dog instead of the tail. And the psalmist this morning reminds us that a king is not saved by his great army and a warrior is not delivered by his great strength. Um, Goes on that the war horse is a vain hope for victory and its great might cannot save. So violence doesn't actually save. That's a last resort and it's kind of a, uh, you know, act of desperation. And if you have to use violence, um, you know, everything's gone to shit anyway. Um, But a military provides order, provides structure, and enforces structure and order, um, even uh, while we recognize that that can become perverse. I think a lot of um, a lot of folks who care to, to follow me will recognize that our police force has become weaponized, and the, the human fallibility coupled with the power of violence can lend itself to excesses and um, transgressions and sins. So we have another um, uh, murder um, of a black man, um, Floyd, I think is his name. I have to double check. Um, But the excesses, as frequently as they happen and as horrific as they are, they are a violation of the 
purpose of an ordered society and the thing that enforces the order. Um, and uh, this the psalm reminds us that force doesn't really, uh, violence does not effectively um, enforce things. What enforces things is moral authority. What enforces things is leading by example. Um, on our on the uh, 12-hour shifts that I'm doing with um, decontaminating masks, we leave the site at 1 o'clock in the morning and we get to our hotel. And along the way, uh, me and the other person I typically drive with, we last night we saw a police officer who was just kind of zooming down the street, no siren, and there was a red light and they slowed for a little while. For a couple of seconds, we could see their brake lights. And then before the light turned green, it was still red, they took their foot off the brake and sped through it, flashed their lights for a second or two, and then stopped as soon as they were through the the the, um, the intersection. And it seemed as though they were just, that officer was using the fact that he was an officer to avoid the very basic uh, premise of like, red light means stop. Um, and that is a corruption, a perversion of the authority um, that officers of the law and, and an ordered society are supposed to have. Um, and it's a very fine difference between the, the, a corruption of a society and its um, uh, institutions that provide order and um, you know, a, a healthfully ordered society. I don't think that we have that right now. I think America is in a, a kind of um, a stage of corruption uh, moral decay that lend, that makes it harder to do the right thing than it is to do the wrong thing. Um, and this morning, our reading goes on to um, the Israelites at Mount Sinai and the, um, the whole people together. Um, Moses is given the words to say, and Moses gives them to the people, and everybody replied as one that they'll do these things that the Lord has said. And this is right after the um, uh, the people have been um, liberated from Egypt. And Exodus 15 is just a couple chapters later, and so they know what moral authority looks like. They've they lived through um, slavery, and they've watched as God gave Pharaoh ten chances to. Um, reorient himself and his society. And when Pharaoh refused, God acted in the morally authoritative way, not only by giving him chances, but then delivering on his promises. And that is the, the order, the, the structure, the, the organization that a community needs. Um, slow to violence and anger, but prepared when that time comes to um, to um, to take that stance and to do so um, with the full knowledge that it is it's already a tragedy um, to not try and justify um, the things that are necessary to restore um, justice and peace and order and we are going to be closing out this season of Eastertide and returning to ordinary time. And ordinary does not come 
uh, at least liturgically, from the idea of being mundane and boring and, and, you know, that kind of ordinary, but it means ordinand, the ordered nature of God's creation. Um, and so that's, we are reminded daily how disordered our society is, not just through um, police um, violence, um, not just through overexertion of our military and imperial kind of interests and in, in, um, overseas bases. Um, we don't need a reminder of how disordered our society is. Um, what we do need is uh, an, an organism, an, a, an organized, ordered body prepared to um, live and um, witness to the fact that God has ordered the world and that this world in which we live where uh, strife and disunity seem to prevail, that this reflects human fallibility, not God's intent, not God's um, hope for humankind, but um, a reflection of the insecurity of people and their desires to try to get things easily um, and, and cheaply rather than by doing the right thing. And Christians, especially Christian soldiers, um, are those who remind the world, not just with their words, but with their actions, what it means that God, who has ordered um, the universe from chaos, that God is here. God is mercifully and justly reordering society through his body, through the body of Christ. Um, and that by praying, we don't just hope with our lips, but we enact with our whole bodies. A prayer for the seventh week of Easter from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us, and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PewPewHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. 
So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.